My name is Phil Stinson, and I'm a professor of criminal justice at Bowling Green State University. In this episode of the Police Integrity Laws podcast, we listen to a recording of an interview of me by Matt Katz for the PRI radio show, The Takeaway, that originally aired on NPR on September 26, 2019. We move now to a story about the criminal justice system as it applies to police officers. A trial is underway this week of a former New Jersey police chief who's facing federal hate crime and civil rights charges. Former Bordentown Township New Jersey police chief Frank Nucera Jr. was arrested for slamming a handcuffed black teenager's head into a door jam in 2016. Well before that day, officers had been secretly recording the chief's racist commentary about black people. When he was charged in 2017, Nussera became the first cop in more than a decade to face federal hate crime charges. Phil Stinson is a professor and criminologist at Bowling Green State University in Ohio and a former police officer. He tracks crimes by police going back to 2005. I asked him about the significance of this case. Actually, I can't think of another case where an officer has been charged with this specific uh, federal hate crime. So here we have a former police chief from Bordentown Township, New Jersey, who's been charged with three crimes in federal court. One is criminal deprivation of civil rights. Uh, The second is falsification, so lying to FBI agents during the course of investigation. And the third offense is a federal hate crime that's uh, created a new criminal statute Uh, as part of the Matthew Shepard and James Byrne Hate Crimes Prevention Act of 2009. So it's causing bodily injury based on the uh, perception or actual race, religion, or color of a victim. So as to the first two charges, we actually see that on a fairly regular basis in my research. I've been studying crime by sworn law enforcement officers across the country since 2005, and we see about 60 times, about five dozen times each year, a police officer is charged with a crime of falsification, so perjury or unsworn falsification, lying under oath, uh, a crime of, of that nature. We see about 30 times each year where a police officer is charged with criminal deprivation of civil rights. And in about 20% of those cases where an officer is charged with criminal deprivation of civil rights, they're also charged with a crime of falsification. But this is a unique case in a number of ways. One, the federal hate crime. We've had other cases in recent years where the federal prosecutors have considered uh, charging an officer under the federal hate crime statute. Um, The other aspect that's unique in this case is that the officer charge was actually a police chief. And we only see in these criminal deprivation of civil rights cases about 5% of the time the sworn officer charged is a police chief. Mm. So what's, what's really unique in this case and what's different and the reason, frankly, I think it ended up in federal court is that the officers working within the Bordentown Township Police Department recorded the police chief. And the police chief seemingly was out of control in terms of his racial animus, his hatred towards black males. And it came across in a number of these recordings. And I think it's very clear that his behaviors and the specific crime uh, that he's accused of here, assaulting a young black male, is the result of his hatred for people of color. But the recordings uh, occurred at a different time than the actual assault. So a jury, in order to convict here, will have to decide that the racist rhetoric that they hear on the recordings is connected and inspired the assault, correct? That's true. And there are going to be issues in terms of hearsay and whether these tapes are uh, admissible in court. And and there are uh, things like that that will have to be worked out through the process of the trial. When, When it comes to 
jury verdicts in these types of cases when we're dealing with an officer who's been charged with a crime of violence that was alleged to have occurred on duty or in an officer's official capacity as a sworn law enforcement officer. What I've seen in my research is that the facts have to be so over the top, so bizarre, that they can't be rationally explained. And it's only in those situations where a jury is likely to return a verdict of guilty. And the reason for that is it seems that jurors are very reluctant to second-guess the split-second decisions of on-duty police officers in violent uh, street encounters or potentially violent street encounters. So it's it's not going to be an easy task to obtain a conviction in this case. Is there any trend indicating that police officers are becoming more willing and more likely uh, to report a fellow officer or a superior who engages in wrongdoing? I think it depends on the type of crime. You know, back in the late 1980s when I was a police officer, it was very unusual for an officer to arrest another officer, whether they were on duty or off duty, for drunk driving. It just wasn't done. That it was a uh, professional courtesy, if you will, Hmm. that was extended to drunk officers and they were not arrested. They were given a ride home or their behaviors were ignored. But, you know, we see in my work, it's fairly common now that police officers, both on duty and frankly, most of it's off duty, uh, are arrested for drunk driving. So it depends on the type of offense. I think that there are some cultural norms that have changed over the years in policing. Uh, But I do think that there is a blue wall of silence and that officers don't like to speak ill about another officer. And they certainly don't want to rat out another officer who's engaging in violent behaviors. And, And that's especially true when we have issues of race and racism involved as we have in this situation. So I don't think we're seeing a a tidal wave in terms of changes and that that wall is being torn down, uh, but we have seen some changes over the last 30 years or so. The mention of violent behavior brings us to another case uh, with a trial that's underway also this week. This is Amber Geiger, who a police officer who shot and killed Botham John uh, in Texas. And the question here is not explicitly hate, but, but tell us what's notable about this case. Well, this is an odd case. So you have a police officer who's worked a very long shift, and she's returned home to her apartment complex not too many blocks from the police station, which that of itself is interesting because most police officers don't live and work in the same community. Uh, so that that's sort of an interesting aspect. But mm-hmm. she returns home and, and as she would tell it, um, parked her car on, a, on the wrong floor of the garage and as a result walked into a floor of the building thinking she was going to her apartment but was going to Uh, someone else's apartment where she confronted the occupant and and shot and killed him. It's a bizarre case because the facts really don't make a whole lot of sense. It's unusual that a police officer, even an off-duty police officer, would lose situational awareness, not be aware of what floor she's on in a parking garage, not be aware that she's entering an apartment that's not her own apartment. Uh, It's it's a bizarre case, and and it's going to be interesting to see uh, during the jury trial uh, what facts come out, because it seems to me that the facts, as they've been told uh, by the defense, uh, simply don't add up. And I think we're going to learn a lot more about what actually happened that day uh, through this jury trial. So these two cases that we've spoken about, they, they're kind of unique and they have their own specific set of circumstances. But if we zoom out a little bit, you track police misconduct allegations and arrests going back years. Are you seeing any recent patterns that are worth noting? Well, the one thing that I've noticed in the last two years is that we're seeing 
at least we're finding in my research group, more cases of officers being arrested. This year, we were up about 150 cases of where we were this time last year mm. in terms of the, just the number of arrest cases. So we're, we're busier. It's, it's a strange thing because over the last 14 years or so, up until just the last few years, it's been fairly static from year to year. We see about 1,100 to 1,200 times each year police officers across the country are arrested for uh, some sort of crime. And we're just seeing there seems to be more of it that we're identifying. And, 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 and I do admit we don't find every case of an officer arrested across the country, but we find eleven to 1,200 cases each and every year. And for some reason over the last two years, we're finding more cases. And I, and I really don't know what that suggests because we haven't done anything different in terms of our algorithms and how we're actually gathering this data. So it is of concern to me. On the other hand, perhaps across uh, the country in different agencies, uh, there's less tolerance for the criminal behavior of police officers. So we really don't know why we're seeing that uptick. And I think it's too early to make too much of it, but I'll be interested to see. That concludes this episode of the Police Integrity Loss Podcast. It was recorded for the PRI radio show The Takeaway on September 24, 2019, and aired on NPR on September 26, 2019. As an epilogue, I note that Frank Nucera was convicted of a crime for lying to the FBI during the course of their investigation, and a mistrial was declared as to the remaining two criminal offenses, both the criminal deprivation of civil rights charge and the federal hate crimes offense after the jury was unable to reach a unanimous decision on each of those charges. The United States Attorney's Office in New Jersey has indicated that there will be a retrial next year on both of those charges and that sentencing on the charge which Nucera was convicted of will likely be postponed until after that retrial. Support for the Police Integrity Laws podcast was provided by the Wallace Action Fund of Tides Foundation on the recommendation of Mr. Randall Wallace. My name is Phil Stinson and I'm a professor of criminal justice at Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio. For more information on my research, please go to www.bgsu.edu slash police integrity lost.